What is going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number 36 of Trail Tales. My name is Kyle O'Grady. I am a thru-hiker. I am a peak bagger. I love to hike. If you are any of those things or you love to hike as well, I encourage you to subscribe to the show. Check us out on Instagram. Every single week, I chat with another thru-hiker or another peak bagger or another person that's as into hiking as I am, and we have a lot of fun here. If you are a regular listener, welcome back. This week's guest is a man named Nick Scarmuzo. He's done a bunch of hiking in the Catskills, so we talk about this Catskills 3,500-footer club thing. We also talk a little bit about bear canisters and some of the regulations in the Adirondacks that was not planned, it just kind of came up, and I thought it was pretty cool. And then we also spent some time talking about the John Muir Trail, because Nick is heading out to hike that in just a couple weeks, and we talk about some of his preparation for that, and specifically the permit system, the crazy, crazy permit system that hikers have to navigate in order to go hike the JMT. I had a lot of fun with this one. I feel like it was pretty good, because we kind of got a little bit of stuff for everybody. You know, we got the East Coast hikers with the Catskills and Adirondack talk. We got the West Coast hikers with the JMT talk, so I had a great time with this one. Nick, when you hear this, dude, thank you so, so much. Let's have another episode when you get back from your thru-hike. I really, really appreciate it. Don't hit that skip button. I know that's what you're about to do. You heard what we're going to talk about during the episode, and now you skip the rest of the introduction so you can actually get to the conversation. Like, I get that, but hold up for just a second. I got to say a couple things here, and then we'll get into it, I promise. The first thing and most important thing that I want to say in this entire introduction is that I would really, really appreciate it if you guys would head over to 46climbs.com and support the Trail Tales team there to raise money for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. The way this works is you're going to keep a day free during the week of August 30th through September 8th, 2019. You're going to pick a mountain. could be any mountain you want to pick. You're going to sign up on 46climbs.com once again to hike that mountain. You're going to register. You're going to get a t-shirt and some other goodies, and you're going to sign up under the Trail Tales team. Now, I hate to say this, guys, but I know that pretty much all of us have been affected by suicide in some sort of way. So this is a great way to take something so negative and so tragic and turn it into something positive. Once again, 46climbs.com, all the money that is raised goes towards the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. You're going to go up to the top bar on the website, the top banner there, click donate, and you're going to be able to select a team. I will also have a link to the Trail Tales donation page in the show notes. I would really, really appreciate it if you guys went and checked this out. I didn't have anybody donate last week, which, you know, I I, I know, like, I can't just expect people to give, you know, money away. Like, that's fine. But I was, I was really kind of hoping that I would have some more people doing this. So please go do that. And check out episode number 15 of Trail Tales if you want more information. Colby Zemendorf is the co-founder of 46 Climbs. He's a good friend of mine, and I had him on the show back then. He's going to be on again soon as well to talk more about this. So please, please go check it out, guys. I really, really would appreciate it. iTunes reviews. Let's do some iTunes reviews, people. You guys know that I love to read my iTunes reviews. I'd like some more, too. I got a couple the last few weeks, which I'm very thankful for, but let's keep them coming. I love reading these during the introduction, so... 
I got one that says, such a good podcast. Want to feel like you're in the woods, hiking slash living the good life while you're on your way to work? This awesome podcast will do that for you. That is a great review. That is just, wow. I'm, I have goosebumps, people. That's awesome. This next one says, keep on keeping on. Kyle, thank you for all your hard work producing the podcast. As a section hiker, I can't get on the trail as much as I'd like, but your podcast keeps me motivated on my commute and throughout the throughout the workday. Yeah. Keep them coming, please. Yeah, I guess a lot of people listen to this podcast at work. Guys, thank you so, so much for the reviews. Like I said, leaving the iTunes reviews is a great way to help the show grow. And speaking of ways to help the show grow, because I know that's just the top thing on everybody's mind right now, is how can we take this small podcast and make it bigger? Just kidding. That's I'm, I'm probably the only person that has that on their mind. But no, sharing on social media is another great way to do that. Go follow Trail Tales on Instagram and go like Trail Tales on Facebook. If you like a particular episode, go share it on your story. Tell some friends, tell some family members, do what you got to do. If there's ever any forums on like Facebook or Reddit, I know a lot of you people probably lurk on Reddit just like I do. You know, if there's a, if anybody's ever asking about like podcast suggestions, especially hiking ones, definitely throw Trail Tales in there. I'm always like searching the forms for that kind of stuff, and a couple people have recommended it, and I, I really love to see that stuff. So please, please get the show out there if you enjoy it. That would be awesome. Also, email is a thing. Trailtalespod at gmail dot com. I only got one email last week. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm very thankful for that one email i mean i went like the first like whole month and a half without getting any emails at all so like very thankful for that email but i feel like i usually get a couple more and and the downloads have been pretty good uh since last week so yeah send me an email it's hard to get advice and uh suggestions on how to improve the show uh with a podcast because there's no comment section there's no like button no dislike button none of that stuff so please send me some feedback and guest recommendations trail recommendations as well, trailtalespod at gmail.com. You guys know the drill there. The last thing I want to say before we get into this episode is I was actually a guest on another podcast last week, or it, the, the interview wasn't last week. It was actually like a month and a half ago, but the um, episode was released last week is what I'm trying to say there. The Hiking Through podcast, I'm sure a lot of you guys have probably heard of that before. It's another like up-and-coming hiking podcast, kind of like this one. Very, very similar. You guys should definitely go check out my episode on there. If you go to hiking-through.com or just search Hiking Through on any of the, the podcast uh, apps or whatever, you should be able to find it. Erin, um, who is the host, she's awesome. It's a great, great show. You guys should definitely go check that out. I would really, really appreciate that. All right, let's get into the episode number 36 with Nick Scaramuzzo, soon to be John Muir Trail class of 2019. All right, here we go. 36, episode number 36 of Trail Tales. Today, I'm joined by Nick Scaramuzzo. I nailed it, didn't I? 
Nailed it. You got it right on uh, right on cue. Nailed it. Some of my previous guests will know I, I struggle with the last names. Actually, most of my listeners should know that because I've I've struggled on on record as well as off record. So Scaramuzo. Okay, just I've, a I've couple said, syllables there. You'll be all right. <laughs> exactly. I, I I think I'm I'm getting better. I'm getting better. Some some of them are harder than other ones, but yeah, getting it. Um. So yeah, Nick. So first of all, I I don't always do this, but if I like screw up, I feel like I need to do this. So. I need to give a public and open apology to Nick. We scheduled this episode like almost a month ago now, and I canceled on him or delayed it. I can't even remember why at this point. Um, and then you were at a wedding the day before, I think. So we know how that goes. Something, something like that. And <laughs> Some then, party. Yep. And then, yeah, that's what it was. And then we rescheduled, <laughs> and then I canceled on him again because I was just kind of feeling a little bit burnt out and just. I was not in the mood to record, which has honestly does not happen very often. I'm not just saying that, but um, Nick was kind enough to stick with me after two bullshit cancellations, and here we are, which is super, super awesome. So, Nick, like, I, I, I know I just apologized off the record before we started recording here, but I felt like I had to get this out there so everybody knows as well. Like, I, I apologize for that, and, like, thank you so, so much for taking the time, of course, and uh, just for sticking with me here. No problem. Like I said, this is this is probably going to be the most fun that I've had in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> more fun than actually hiking? I don't know about that. Oh, I don't know about that, but it's up there. Probably, probably more fun than hiking in the rain, but not as much fun as hiking when the weather's nice. Yeah, 100%. Something, something like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so Nick has done a bunch of kind of like a, a varied amount of stuff, like mostly northeast hiking it sounds like but um he's also going to be heading out to the john muir trail very soon and we're going to talk kind of about some of his preparation uh with that and we're going to talk about the crazy permit system that is involved with uh hiking the jmt which i don't i don't know honestly i I really don't know anything about the jmt or yeah or let, let alone the permit system so yeah, we're going to learn about that, um, and we're going to talk about the Catskills quite a bit as well. I was just down in the Catskills for the first time, I guess it was like two weekends ago now, three weekends ago, something like that, and yep. um, it was pretty cool, so I wasn't there that much, but yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about that as well. But to start, Nick, I got to ask, you know, a lot of the time when I have like through hikers on, I'll ask about, you know, how'd you learn about through hiking? I know that doesn't directly apply to you, so why don't we just start with, you know, how did you first, you know, get into hiking, I guess, in this whole peak bagging thing? Yeah, so um, I live in New York, and I live about five minutes away from the Appalachian Trail. Oh, really? And uh, yeah, right, um, if I go out my door, it takes me seven minutes to hit the RHP sh- shelter. RHP shelter. I remember the name. I don't remember exactly where it is, but I have Google Maps. Yeah, it's got a th- uh, the three-sided building in New York, and um, when you go over the Bear Mountain Bridge, it's like... I don't know, maybe like 50 miles north of the Bear Mountain Bridge. Okay. What's the town that it's in? East Fishkilt. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, anyway, so yeah, I live right by the AT. Uh, My father hiked a lot when we were younger, so I would go on day hikes with him, and that was kind of like my introduction to just getting outdoors. Mm -hmm. Uh, I kind of went away with it in my younger 20s, but I have three kids of my own, and when my older kids were younger, uh, this is probably going back like eight years ago. Okay. Uh, I just wanted to get out and do some stuff with them. So spend <laughs> money's always an issue, and you know, trying to take them to the movies or mini golfing and stuff like that was a little getting too much. So I'm like, you know, let me go check out uh, hiking. I remember hiking as a kid. So I went to Anthony's Nose, which is if you cross over the Bear Mountain Bridge on the AT, 
I don't know if you remember that or not, but there was a big rock face in front of you coming over the Bear Mountain Bridge. Yep, yep. That is, that's called Anthony's Nose. It's a blue trail off the AT, but it's got a really scenic overlook of the whole area. Okay, okay, yeah. I, I remember the, I remember the climb, the climb out of there for sure. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I went up there on just a day hiking trip, and from that point, I was just sold. I was hooked. I took the. It was a. It's like roughly a mile to get from the road up to the summit or to the top of the peak. So I took the kids up there the next week. We had a great ch- time. We ended up spending like the whole day together between having lunch and hanging out up top. And from that point, I just started doing more day hiking on my own. And then that led into backpacking, which because I wanted to get a little bit deeper and see a couple of different things by not having to go in and out so quick. And, uh, you know, this is now here are today. Cool, cool. So I actually just Googled. Uh, the RPH shelter, and I I do remember the shelter now because I I stayed at it. It's like right by a road. I remember that. Um, and isn't this one of the, you might not know this if you didn't like ever stay there, but I'm pretty sure you can order like Chinese food or like 100%. pizza to the yeah. shelter. And there was like menus and, and like I remember sitting there and I I had like a a very long like mental struggle trying to decide whether or not I was going to order food. Or I was just gonna save a couple bucks and eat my north sides. I ended up eating my north sides mostly because I couldn't convince anybody else to order food with me. But all it would have taken was one person, and I would have been mowing down on some Chinese food there for sure. That's, but, yeah, yeah, they have. Uh, I think they have menus and stuff like that. I have. I've never stayed there because it's so close. But um, yeah, hundred percent. You can order food like five minutes away from there. Little pro tip for all you through hikers that might be getting close to New York. Um, yeah. Yep. So that that was a cool little place. I I, I do remember that now. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, I, I do remember that little, I don't remember, what was the name of the knob you just said there a second ago? Anthony's Nose. Oh, oh, Nose, okay. Anthony's Nose. Um, obviously, like you said, it was a side trail, but I do kind of remember the climb out of there, like, after you crossed the bridge, because as I was going up, there was some day hikers, just some girls coming down, and I think they were, like, pretty oblivious to most of what was going on. Because um they they made a comment when we passed them they were like oh what are you guys like professional hikers and we were like I mean we're not getting paid to be out here but we have been doing this for a number of months now and they had no idea what the Appalachian Trail was they had no idea it went from Georgia we like we're like yeah it goes from like Georgia to Maine and they're like what like what is that so that I, I remember that that's what's funny about New York is you get a lot of people from Manhattan coming out for the day and a lot of stuff along the Hudson River uh, the Metro North Line the train runs up there uh like there's a trailhead called breakneck ridge which is around that area but there's a actual train stop there on the weekends so if you try to go in this area on the weekend there's uh, there's at least a million people there it's it's absolutely insane yeah i can't remember if i was there on a weekend the the pool and the zoo were pretty mobbed when i was there but yeah yeah that was you know i i kind of expected that anyways it was it was cool it was a cool little section i don't really make it down to that part of new york state very often so it was kind of it's kind of interesting that a a long distance trail goes like so damn close to like the biggest city in the entire country like that kind of yeah. you can literally the same trail that's in the 100 mile wilderness in the middle of nowhere in maine also goes within like 30 miles in new york city that kind of blows my mind a little bit for sure yeah it is i think that's one of the draws of it though because you get to see so many different aspects of uh you know the trail and the towns and the people mm-hmm. um if you take advantage of it if you get off trail i guess you get to see a little bit of the culture of these different areas yeah for sure for sure i i didn't really adventure off trail too much there i went to um i think it was just harriman new york like the actual town of harriman yeah yeah that'd be on the by the side of bear mountain a little bit before you hit bear mountain 
Yeah, definitely got a little bit of the New York culture there, like the <laughs> the pizza place that I was chatting to one of the guys that worked there, and that was kind of funny. And then our Uber driver was definitely driving like she was from New York City, which I think she said she was. So that was uh, that was pretty interesting as well. So I don't know. I've never been to New York City before ever, so maybe I'll have to make it down there sometime. <laughs> yeah, you got to come down. It's a good time. For sure, for sure. A lot of, a lot of hikers will stop there too on their through hikes, but I just didn't have time. Honestly, I don't know if I would have my like Vermont – like body and mind would have been able to handle going yeah. from like trail to biggest city in the entire yeah, it's country. Yeah, like a culture shock. <laughs> for sure. It'd be a culture shock for me anyways, let alone coming right off of the Appalachian Trail. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's a good thing I didn't go. But. Well, don't feel bad because you probably smell just like everyone else down there. So you'd be all right. I'll believe it. I was going to say, I see like a, I see a lot of pictures like people will post on Instagram, you know, through hikers that will get off the trail and go into New York and it's like they're just in the middle of Times Square with their pack and everything. And it's like they look a little bit out of place, but... They also don't look like super, super out of right, place. Yes. Like, I don't know. I, I'm not going to go there too much, but yeah, it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny. I know. I know. I've seen it all. I've been, I've been around the block down there, so I've seen a little bit of everything. Oh, I'm sure you have. So you were up here in Vermont though this weekend. How was, uh, how was your hike this weekend? It was unbelievable. It was awesome. We did uh, Killington. Uh, so one of the guys that I work with, I'm a firefighter in uh, Yonkers, which is a City a little bit further north than Manhattan. Sure. And a group of us are actually, we're going to talk about about that when we talk about the John Muir Trail, but a group of us are actually going out there. They're meeting me out there. I'm going solo to start, but they're meeting me out there. Okay. So we've been wanting to do a bunch of shakedown hikes and get our gear out and, you know, stuff like that. So one of the guys that I work with has been section hiking the Long Trail for the, the last couple of years, but he's up to that Killington section. So that's why we decided to tag along. We hopped on the trail about eight miles or so before Killington slept out at the Governor Clement shelter. Yep, yep. Uh, there was a nice area right off the river there that we were able to get five or six tents up, hang I know, out by the I fire. I literally stayed in that exact freaking spot on my AT through heck. I know exactly where you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So we had a nice fire going, sitting by the river, uh, got up the next day, did Killington and Crystal Blue Skies. Had a beer up top on the <laughs> summit. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the building there, yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, what, we had. A, what, did you have a Vermont beer? I did. I know. Long Trail IPA. 100%. Nice, classic Long Trail on to. the Long Trail. If you're on the Long Trail, you got to have a Long Trail. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and then uh, went out to Route Four, and so <laughs> this is a funny story too. So we we had three cars going up. One spotted on Route Four, and the other two backtracked so we could uh, uh, get to the trailhead to start. Sure. So we're hiking along and we're about four or five miles from finishing up the trail. And the guy whose car was on the other side goes, you're not going to believe this. I left my keys in the other car. Oh, no. <laughs> so we thought he was pulling our chain for a little bit, but then we realized that he was serious. So now we're throwing around ideas on what to do, how we're going to get out of here, this and that. So uh, <laughs> Could have called I, me, you know, Jesus. <laughs> well, I know. I, I'm a, I'm a New York guy, so Uber is like, you know, the big thing around here. So you dial or you put Uber into your app and the uh, guy comes in two minutes and you go about your business, right? But there's no Uber no, services up say, in yeah. uh, <laughs> Rutland, <laughs> Vermont. So anyway, we got, I was able to get service and we called Catamount Taxi. Thank God. Uh, there was a lovely young lady that ended up coming out, picking us up and driving us over to the trailhead. Nice. So nice. we got the car. Yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> but it was funny because we passed, uh, we had a section hiker that he was doing the long trail, but he was like spotting his car for himself. Yeah, yeah. 
So he was sitting around too, like, what the heck? Well, how am I going to get out of here? I have no idea how to get out of here. And he ended up catching that uh, Killington shuttle that runs down Route 4. Oh, okay, yeah. But it was funny because we passed him on the way out, and I tried to get a hold of him, but he was oblivious to, <laughs> to me in the van. That That's so funny. Like, I can just yeah. imagine that heart sink moment where he just, like, goes to reach for his keys, and he's like, oh, shit. Yeah. And he knew he knew whether to not say anything or to tell everyone what was going on. Did he wait? So so did he realize that the keys weren't in there? Like once you guys got to the end, or did he realize before you had gotten there? No, I think he realized when we were starting to get ready to get out of the woods that uh, something was missing on his, or or he remembered leaving them on the car seat okay. of the other car. So this was at the quick. end of the hike, so that wasn't like hanging over his head for no, like that, most of yeah, the time. Yeah, that was like yeah, we're tired. Well, let's uh, let's get out of here. Like oh, we oh, still got to figure out how we're getting out of here. <laughs> I had a kind of similar thing happen to me. Not not uh not quite as drastic as that, but um, I went. This is like years ago. Me and a buddy hiked up uh stowe so mount mansfield i guess we just hiked up the stowe the, yeah the stowe ski trails yep um like a couple days after they had closed so there's still enough like snow to ski down if you chose your route wisely okay. um but there was obviously no one there because it was closed and <laughs> when, when we were at the top uh we were just at the top of the ski lift not the actual top of the mountain and my friend had taken his keys out and put them on a picnic table up there okay and then i you know i didn't really pay too much attention to it and then we started skiing down, and then right when I got to, like, the bottom, like, I could almost see the parking lot, I just had this thought. I was like, hmm, I really hope he grabbed the keys that he put on the picnic table. Right. <laughs> he, he definitely grabbed them, right? Like, there's no way he left them. We get down there, and pretty much immediately, he reaches for his, his pockets, and no keys there. And I oh, was like, yeah. Keys are at the top of the mountain. We're at the bottom. It's like after dark at this point. And I thought it was hilarious, honestly, because I was like, fuck it. Like, I don't have anything else to do here. Um, but thankfully, his mom drove like 45 minutes and dropped off another pair of keys because I, I guess we could have gone back up. But like I said, it was dark and I did not feel like hiking back up that mountain with my skis attached to my back. So, Oh, I hear you, man. <laughs> yeah. At least you were able to get out of there. We made it out. We made it out. Um, kind of going back to that uh, Go Governor Clement shelter, I think it's called. Yeah. Um, so I had stayed there. I've stayed there twice, actually. And the first two times, so I stayed there twice and I hiked by it another time as well. And the first two times I was there, um, I had no idea about that little spot down by the river. So like I had stayed like more in front of the shelter. I, I think we're thinking of the same spot because there's a couple. A hundred percent. Yeah. Because we was like it behind I said, we the had shelter a, a little bit. It's off to the right of the shelter. Yeah, so if you pass yeah. the shelter, it's down. There's, it's pretty much the place where you get water because the river's coming right there. Yeah, exactly. So I, I did not realize that spot was there because the first and second time I was there, the first time I just kind of hiked past it because I was still hiking. I didn't stay there. But the second time I stayed like more in front of the shelter and I mm -hmm. actually walked back to that last water crossing on the AT, which is probably only like 0.1 or 0.2 back because there's a couple like rivers that intersect pretty close to there. But yeah. I had no idea that little spot was down there. So I was like, when I was going through there on my through hike, you know, I'd already hiked through there so much. I was telling all my friends about it. And I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to stay at this Governor Clement shelter. And, like, there's this nice campsite, like, in front of the shelter that I stayed at before. We can stay there. And some of my friends got there before I did. And they had already set up camp down in that little spot I didn't know about. So here I am, like, talking up everything, like, saying, like, oh, I got the plan, guys. Don't worry about it. And then they go and discover this little hidden gem that I didn't even know about after being there twice. So Yeah, no, it is. It's a great place. Great spot. Beautiful little spot, people. So if you ever stay at that shelter, walk a little bit past the shelter, and then there's like a little like 
dirt road almost. Um, yeah, exactly. It's not, it looks like a road. It's not. You don't like follow the road very long. You just take a right, and it's like right there, pretty much yeah. down by the water. But um, well, you know, too, like it's when you're exp- that. That's a weird section, or I shouldn't say weird. It's a, a popular section of trail because you have the long trail, the AT, and then regular day hikers slash you know weekend warriors hitting it up so that's basically what we were we were six guys with six tens trying to get into an area that we figured there'd be a lot of traffic in but there was uh maybe like four or five section hikers either doing the at or i'm sorry not section hikers, through hikers doing the at Mm -hmm. or the long trail and we were able to set up and everyone got along we all started uh shooting war stories uh so it was was actually worked out really really nice nice yeah 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 that's a that's a cool spot. Another thing about that shelter is um way back like probably like 5 or 6 years ago now, um there used to be some problems at that shelter actually because kind of going back to some of those dirt roads I just mentioned a second ago. Um I guess there's a gate now, but there used to not be a gate. So I've like a 2012 or 2011 version of the long trail guide and even I guess back then still like when that guide was printed, it was still kind of an issue because like in the guidebook, it says like, just be warned if you stay at the shelter. Like sometimes, like they've had some problems with locals like going up there oh, and partying yeah, yeah. and doing all this. But like I because said, because they are they able to drive up if they're bringing like ATVs up there, is, or you know, take your take your pick there. One right. one of those two because like it is pretty close to those dirt roads there. But like I said, they have a gate in. I'm like very pretty confident about. Um, and I haven't really heard any stories at all about that being a problem like within the past like five years, like I said. I'm sure that would be all over the Facebook groups if it was. So you're right. Don't worry about that. If you read that online or on like whiteblaze.net, like from threads like really long ago, people, don't worry about it. It's all good. <laughs> Governor Clement Shelter, good place for sure. Yeah, no, it's definitely highly recommended if you wanted to get up for a quick overnight or just a day hike. It was a good area. For sure, for sure. So um why don't we why don't we talk about the cat skills? A little yeah, bit. Let's do it. Let's talk about the Catskills. So I feel like the Catskills were the last place, like the last like significant place that not to like <laughs> categorize everything else as non-significant, but like the last like big like set, like area of like mountains and a tr- big trail system that I hadn't been to until mm-hmm. I guess it was th- two or three weekends ago now. But um, I went down there. What'd you th- what'd you think? Yeah, yeah. So th- so there's there's two four thousand footers in the Catskills. For those of you who might not know, Hunter and Slide, and I'm trying to do all the four thousand footers in the Northeast, and I needed those. It's like a it's a decent drive down there from from up here in Burlington. It was like a five hour drive maybe, but like I had to go do the peaks, and you know I was like fuck it, I don't mind a long road trip. So I really liked it, honestly. Yeah, I had a blast and. The hiking was great. I only did, um, you know, just the hikes weren't that aggressive. So I, I can't really say I like hiked extensively throughout the Catskills, but um, the campground we stayed at was beautiful. I can't even remember the name. It was like uh, Mog uh, something pond. You know what I'm talking about? Did you stay like, like somewhere around Hunter or somewhere around uh, Slide? So neither, actually. It was a little bit more uh, west of there. It w- okay. I, I can't remember. It was a DEC campground. Um, I would remember if I could pronounce it, but as people know, I have a fucking hard time with that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was some weird name, but it was a beautiful campsite. Um, and then, honestly, I think my favorite thing about the Catskills overall was the driving. So, like, here in Vermont and, like, in the Adirondacks, it's, like, those windy, like, trail, like, roads will usually be dirt and, like, kind of banged up. So, like, 
you can't really like zoom around like too much on them. Yeah. But in the Catskills, it's like even these like super remote like backcountry roads were still all like paved like pretty decently. So I was just like fucking whipping it around there. There's no traffic, and I'm like a safe driver. People like I usually don't like speed too much, but like. It was fun. Just like I felt like I was in yeah. a race car on a, on a well, freaking Well, I know exactly track. where you – so if you're going up the slide, that's Olivaria Road or Route 42. Yes. Um, and like the, the, the cliffs there and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so – but right before you get to the slide uh, trailhead, it, the road takes like a hairpin 90-degree turn <laughs> to the right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, there, there's actually – if you ever go back up there, there's – Panther Mountain is another 3,500-foot – uh, peak in the area and giant ledge is about a mile in and it's a really sick overlook of the whole range mm-hmm. so that gets a lot of uh tourist uh you know day hiking stuff there but yeah point being like you said <laughs> there's dudes <laughs> doing you know like the slalom track and they hit that turn you see them start like leaning over to the right hand side of the road <laughs> as, they're, <laughs> as they're passing it it was pretty gnarly for sure it was beautiful though i had, I had amazing weather the whole weekend too which was yeah. awesome you told me when i talked to you last time though that you didn't go up the fire tower it was a little too high for you. <laughs> yeah so i went about halfway see th- this is the thing i'm weird with, with i'm usually pretty good with them i feel like with the fire towers um i've been up like uh, probably the sketchiest one is either Glastonbury in Vermont on the Long Trail, or maybe uh, the one on Old Spec, uh, on the a little bit off the AT in Maine. Right. And like, I've usually been able to get up them, you know, no problem. But for some reason, this one, like, it was kind of windy too. That probably didn't help. Like, it was a very like well done tower. Like, it wasn't like right, you know, swaying around. It wasn't like rusty like the Glastonbury one is. I mean, it was a very, they even have the, the caretaker up there, like, kind of making sure everything's good. He was doing some work on it, actually. So, like, the, it was fine. It was just really fucking tall. And I don't know. My friend was definitely not feeling it. And so I was like, all right, I guess I'll just yeah. go halfway up. I went I went far enough to get a view, though. Yeah. When I uh, when I went up there, uh, the so they have the, uh, the, you can't actually get up to the top. It was locked. So we've been at that. I was able to get up, and we just kind of hung up there for a couple minutes and took in the views. The weather was nice. And, uh yeah, check that one off. Uh, I think I did that last year sometime. Uh-huh. I day I day hiked the no uh, the uh western section of the Devil's Path cuz that's kind of included in the Devil's Path, but it's not actually on the trail. It's kind of an offshoot of the Devil's Path. Yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, so me and a couple friends did the peaks on the Devil's Path on that western section. Okay, cool. So, yeah, you just brought up the Devil's Path. Why don't we kind of jump into this a little bit? So, I know nothing about this Devil's Path thing. Um, I do know that it's kind of like a staple of the Catskills, it sounds like. It's like the, uh, I don't even know if you, I guess you could call it a, a, a through hike of sorts, I guess, or just a, you know, it's like the, the most like famous trail there, it seems like. I did have I did have one person like a month ago now, reach out to me on Instagram and say that I should talk about the Devil's Path. So I'm, I'm glad I'm finally getting to this. So why don't you just, uh, yeah, explain to me and everybody else who's not familiar what exactly this little trail is. Yeah, so it's uh, it's roughly like 24 miles long and it's about 9,000 feet of elevation gain in that, uh, that mileage. But the thing about the Catskills is you're going to get a lot of ele- like steep elevation gain and that's where, you know, the hiking is pretty hard because you're going, you know, like a triangle. You're going straight up and then straight down and then straight up and then straight down. Yeah, yeah. So that's why it's got the notoriety in the name of the Devil's Path because it's just relentless because you're going up and then you got to come. So you're, you're taking a beating on the way up and then you take a beating on the so, way down. So it's not like any like big climbs. It's just constant up and downs. Yeah. Yeah. I w- so I'm not sure what the starting elevation is at the trailhead, but... um. 
you know, if it, let's say it's like 1500, 2000 feet, you're going up to around, you know, like the 37, 3800. So you're getting that 2000 feet up and 2000 feet down four or five times. And it's, you know, it's just one peak after the other. It's just, you're down with one. I think it's the first peak is Indian head. So as you're making your way up, then you're going to go back down and then twin comes up after that. And then you go up that and you come back down and then sugarloaf and then down and then plateau and then down. So it's, it's like I said, it's, it's beautiful because the views you're taking in from that area are amazing. One of the things about the trail is there's a road that goes through the middle of them. So that's where it has the eastern section and the western section. Okay. The eastern section probably has more of the notoriety from that type of elevation gain and loss. Uh, and then you, the trail continues over to the other side of the road and you kind of figure, finish it off over a couple other peaks. Hunter, I would include Hunter in that because it's in that area. It would continue on to Southwest Hunter, which is a little bushwhack trail that's not blazed, but uh, there's a herd path that goes up to the summit. And then West Kill is the last peak in that range. And you, after you summit West Kill, you end up going out to uh, Spruceton Road as the final, the, uh, final gotcha. trailhead. Gotcha. And I know I know people definitely do this all at once, but um, are there also like campsites or shelters, lean-tos along the way? There are. Um, so when we did it, I did... I day hiked the western section, like I said, last year, and then we did the other section in an overnight. But uh, <laughs> it was it was like one of those things when you first like start hiking and don't really know what to bring. <laughs> so you're like, oh, well, yeah. I need I need two pairs of pants and I need two shirts and I better bring that and I better and oh, we want to hang out, so we want to have a cocktail too. So you weigh your pack and it's like you know 40 pounds or i think it was like 30 i think it was like 30 something pounds when i when and i ended it sounds up like this would not be the kind of terrain this is not to be. right this is right this is not something that you're going out leisurely with your friends like having a beer at the summit this is like okay i'm about to do some serious work but yeah, there are yeah. uh there are a couple campsites along the way and we ended up sleeping we did three peaks the first day uh slept by the base of sugarloaf i think in mink hollow and then went up and did plateau the last day. Well, plateau is really nice too because even though it's a steep and steady gain, I, it's like a two-mile flat walk along the summit of uh, that's what it's called plateau. Okay. So you're actually in this like nice little pine forest, and you're you know just kind of enjoying being outside. And then you hit the edge, and on your way back down, you end up doing that steep decline again. Gotcha. But it's really, really, really nice area. Gotcha. Devil's Path. That's such a intimidating name. Yeah. I know. I, I recommend it to everyone, especially if you're a pretty avid hiker, because it will test you, even though it, the Catskills don't have that notoriety. It'll give you a workout. Yeah, for sure. And it sounds like that would be a good way to kind of see a lot of the Catskills just in like yeah. one weekend or, or, you know, even one hike, depending on how you do it. So that, that sounds yeah. pretty cool. And, and you'll get good, yeah, good views, too. So that's another draw to it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That sounds awesome. Um, How many of the 3,500, or if you don't, you don't know exactly, that's fine, but how, like roughly how many of the 3,500 footers does Devil's Path go over? Uh, Four. Well, uh, yeah, four, five, six. It goes over six, but if you're going to include Hunter in that, you can, you can, nab, you can get seven. Okay. So it'd be almost like a good straight line to just grab like a bunch of peaks there oh, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. So that, yeah, so I guess on that note, um, this Catskills 3,500 footer club thing. So again, I don't really know anything about this besides, you know, Hunter and Slide at this point, but, um, you know, it's similar concept to, or the same, actually, exact same concept to like the Adirondack 46 or. Are you a 46er? I have four peaks left. Okay, perfect. Yeah. I'm almost there. I'm going to be hitting uh, one more this weekend as well. So I'm, I'm Which one are you going to do? 
think I'm going to go do tabletop this weekend. Oh, perfect. Have you been up there? I so <laughs> I was going to do I did a a loop. We, I was originally planning with my friend Chris. We were going to do the Great Range Traverse. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I'm sure you know about that. It's, oh, yeah. uh Hits a bunch of stuff along the way and going up to Mount Marcy, come back down to Adirondack Lodge. Um, we ended up getting a bad weather report for the amount of time they wanted to do it in, so we just went up and did an overnight. Oh, okay. I was gonna, yeah, you don't want to be up there in bad weather for sure. <laughs> right, right, right. So we ended up doing a a loop from... The Adirondack Lodge, we hit, what, what did we hit? Gray Peak, Mount Skylight. Yeah. Went all the way down to Panther Gorge. I don't know if you've been in that area behind uh, Mount Marcy. I really haven't, honestly. No. See, Skylight, Gray, and Haystack are the other three that I haven't done yet. So. Right. Okay. So, so if you want, which I wouldn't recommend, but you could, <laughs> we decided that, okay, if we come go around Mount Marcy, then we did Gray first, then we did Skylight, and then we were confronted with the decision to either go up and do Marcy that day, or we went down because we were going to do Haystack the next day. So I don't know what happens when you plan your trips, <laughs> when you're looking at it, uh, the contour lines on a topo map, but you're like, ah, whatever, it's not that big a deal. <laughs> and the drop going down into Panther Gorge to go, every every minute that we started going down and down and down, it's like I can't believe that we're going down here. It, it's like <laughs> insane. So we ended up dropping. I forgot what it was, like fifteen hundred or eighteen hundred feet, real like really quick too. So we slept down there and then woke up and had to make it all back up. And then we had to still had the elevation to get up to haystack. So then we did that the next day. Then we went and did Marcy, and we were <laughs> debating if we had any energy for Tabletop and Felt, which is on the way out yeah, uh, yeah. on the Van Hovenburg Trail. But we said, you know what? We did a lot. Let's uh, let's call it a day, and we'll come back and tackle those two next time. Yeah, those those two are, are usually done together, too, I think. I, I yeah. tagged Phelps in the winter like a couple of years ago, but I didn't do Tabletop for some reason. So, yeah, I'm going to go snag that and then... Have to clean up the uh, the other three over there closer to Marcy, but yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Like I said, you can either... I would recommend maybe just going back over Marcy, but um, the, the actually, it was a lot of... it was the, the campsite at Panther Gorge was actually really nice because those lean-to shelters and the camping areas are pretty widely used. Mm -hmm. So because there's really no easily accessible route to get to, the, to get to Panther Gorge, we had the whole place to ourselves. Oh, nice. So even though, like I said, it was a little bit of work to get down there and then back up, we were able to just relax. And I, I hammock camp, so I set up my hammock. My friend was tenting, so he set his tent up. But we hung out in the lean-to shelter the whole night and just, uh, you know, hung out. So it was really, really nice little break. Yeah, yeah I think I'm going to try to do them all on day hikes. Reason being is I I have, a, like, a frameless, pretty small pack, and I hate you know the CDT, bear canisters. Right? Yeah, the CDT. Yeah. I hate bear canisters. I, I don't own a bear canister, and they're for those of you listening, um, they're required in most of the high peaks. I think starting next year, they're going to be required in all of the high peaks area. Yeah. Um, and so I just I would rather just do like a really long day and then go stay at a car campground than have to haul that. People are probably like Kyle, you're such a bitch, boohoo. But no, dude, I, I'm with I, you. I don't fuck with, with the you. bear canisters. Like, no thanks. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll add a list. So. Um, I have a YouTube channel, Triple Nickel Outdoors, for any of those that people that uh, want to check out some of my videos. But which I will have a link to that in the show notes, Perfect. by the way. Um, so I one trip I did, I did uh, Mount Colden, mm -hmm. 
Mount Colden down to Avalanche Lake and Lake Colden, and then I went up and did Algonquin, Iroquois, Ooh. and Wright Peak. In one so day? That was this, no, that was the second. I slept at the uh, bottom okay. by Lake Colden. Which is an amazing spot. Oh, and that's another... Yeah, if anyone gets a chance, check out those peaks. That's amazing. Go during amazing the week, hike. but other than that, amazing spot. Yeah. yeah, don't day hike it, though. It's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but, um, yeah, so I did that, and I had a bear can with me, but a viewer commented on my video and said, hey, have you checked out Ursacs and blah, 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 this and that. And for those who don't know, an Ursac is basically... It's a bit, it's considered a bear proof container. It's it's not hard sided though. It's uh It's like a sack. Right. Much. It's like a sack basically, but it's been tested against uh bear attacks. So I tried to look up the D, the DEC regs on these types of uh you know, the, the about the Ursac and everything came back that it still has to be a hard rigid container. Yeah, they're they're super strict about it. In in fact they don't even let you bring certain types of bear canisters. Like right, the, the bear vault, bear well, canisters, getting, that yeah, brand. Yeah, the bears are getting smarter that they know how to open up the BB five hundred. I think so. Which I think it's bullshit because I've never seen a fucking bear in the Adirondacks before, but apparently there's a ton of them there. Well, and, there must be, yeah, because yeah. they're they're stealing people's bear cans and, and eating their food. Yeah, it's pretty gnarly. So back to this guy, like he, you know, he said that he knows DEC or law enforcement officers, and I guess if you're practicing safe practices, they're they kind of like look the other way. Okay. But I didn't want to take the chance, so I just I kept rolling with the bear cam. But it's just one of those. So, oh, point of the story is I ended up emailing the DEC <laughs> and saying, you know, I heard that uh, Ursacs might be legal. You've done some testing on them. Have you thinking about changing the law? Blah blah blah. This and that. He wrote me back. It was it was a novel, basically. Just <laughs> it's not even just about the bears. It's more for protection from the people that go into these areas because they don't know how to prop. They don't know how properly to uh, hang it, yeah. properly, right? Exactly, all of those things. Whatever, yeah. So, you know, it's mice, it's other rodents, it's leaving, you know, food around and stuff like that. So, it just if you have it in a hard-sided container, kind of forces people to do the right thing to keep it in there and not have, uh, you know, because mice and other rodents are probably more of a problem than bear oh, yeah. a problem. Yeah, for sure. And the yeah, the bear canister thing there is interesting because, like, uh, honestly, one of the reasons why I am likely going to hike the north or try to hike the northfield placid trail again this year is because it's on my list i tried to do it a couple years ago and i failed that's a whole nother story for a whole nother episode but um i i really don't want to have to bring a bear canister for that last part of it and starting next year the western high peaks which the northfield placid trail kind of skirts through there you're gonna have to have a bear canister through that section so i'm like shit i mean I, I only have, like, one more year to do it without the bear can. So, granted, you could still do most of the trail without the bear can. It's just that one section. But I don't really want to have to deal with getting a bear can in the middle of a thru-hike like that. So, I, I'm honestly considering just, like, sending it now. But um, <laughs> oh, I hear you. Yeah, well, like I said, I, I love – and I think that's why the Adirondacks – well, not why, but I think that's a reason why maybe the Whites have more of a draw than the Adirondacks do because there's a lot of regulations in that area – but serious beauty, but, you know, the the regs are just something that I think people, if you're going to go, like for me, I'm, I'm going to drive three and a half or five hours to get to either one, which one do I want to do? So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, if I make it up to the whites, I don't have to deal with a lot of the regs, but the, the Adirondacks, they're just beautiful. They really are. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. And it's tough there because the high peaks have such like a, 
big concentration of use and then the rest of the adirondacks hardly get any use so like once you if you go out of the high peaks you know you're not gonna you don't really have to worry about the right the regulations as much there's no bear canister regulations or anything like that and the other thing is like uh, there's just so many people in that one concentrated cluster of mountains it's like even the whites i feel like for some reason I don't know, like, th- there's just not as many problems there either when it comes to, like, uh, I know there's some areas that have, like, parking problems, but, like, right. overall, I-, I feel like, I don't even know if the Adirondacks just get more use or it's just more concentrated in, like, a couple areas. Like, I'm, I'm not sure, but there's there's something funky going on there for sure. I kind of want to tie this back into the Catskills a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, one of the questions I had written down here is, um, how do the Catskills, if they can at all, how do they compare to the Adirondacks? Uh, similar terrain, sort of, sort of, not really though. Uh, <laughs> I, I just, I think that the Catskills, so, so they're closer to New York City, which would be a draw if you're looking to get out in nature and see some, have some good hiking, have some nice campsites, have you know a bunch of nice views. So mm-hmm. they definitely have their draw. Um, but I just think that the Adirondacks, for a couple hours north of the Catskills, they get a little bit more notoriety than the than their. Uh, than the Catskills do. Okay, interesting. And then, and then this uh, thirty-five hundred footer club. Um, so yeah, like similar thing to the Adirondack forty-six. You have this right. list of mountains that you're trying to complete, and once you tag all the peaks, you're in the club or whatever it is. Um, yeah, yeah. How many how many peaks are there? So there's thirty-five over thirty-five, over thirty-five hundred. But to qualify for the club, you have to do those five, those thirty-five peaks, and then you have to do four of the peaks in the winter time which would be December 21st to March 31st. Really? I did not. Okay, I'm glad I asked yep. then. I, I did not know that. So you can do any any of the peaks in the winter? All right. So the four that you have to do for the winter are Blackhead, Slide, Panther, and Balsam. Okay. And like I said before, that's uh, uh, December 21st to March 21st is the winter, uh, winter time frame that they have to be done in. Interesting. And so that oh, yeah, sorry, I was sorry. I was reading. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was reading up on like the Catskill 3500 Club and how they came about and blah blah blah. And they wanted to include some of these winter peaks to give people a little bit of a taste on what winter hiking was like. So if they wanted to become a member of the 3500 Club, they would have to fulfill the requirement of these winter peaks. Right. So yeah, like I said, it gave you it gave you a reason and the. Uh, Availability to get outside because the Catskill 3500 Club organizes trips, so you don't have to do it alone. If you don't feel comfortable, you can get one of these trips with the club. They, I think everything's on their website of what mountain they're doing per day, so it allows people to get outside and experience nature in you know some of the colder months and get a get a little bit of taste of what winter hiking is like. Yeah, I yeah. So okay, so that's like I said, that's something I've not heard about before. Um, can you? Can you only hike them once and just have that one winter hike count, or do you have to hike it during the summer as well? No, I believe, like if I, so I hiked slide, the first time I hiked slide was in the winter, but I needed two slide ascents for the 3500 Club. Okay, so you do have to, damn. Right, right, but but if I did, so I did Panther in the winter, that I only needed that, no, I needed that twice. Which other one did I do in the winter? I did all of them already, but yeah. So let's just say I did a random peak that wasn't one of the four required mm-hmm. in the winter time. That would count as my one ascent because I also have a winter thirty five hundred club. 
Okay, yeah. So that would be every peak in that winter time frame. And then you have to hike four of them during the summer for the winter one. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Just to get a taste what the bugs are like. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you got to fit bugs in your mouth. Yeah, so that's that's pretty cool, honestly. I've never, because that's... It is. That's different than the Adirondack 46 or the um, the New Hampshire 48. I wonder... I actually, you, you kind of just answer this, I, I guess, just to give, yeah, to give people kind of like a, a taste of the winter hiking. I, I, I can, I can kind of see that. I, I can, I think that, I think that's pretty cool, honestly. Have you done any winter hiking? Uh, just a little bit. I've done like a, a couple of the mountains here, like Mansfield and Camel's Hump, and then I okay. did, um, I did, uh, what was that? Phelps, yeah, Phelps. I did it in April. I don't know what the actual cutoff is, but in the Adirondacks, April is definitely still winter. Um, and then I did. Cabot in the Whites during December, like right before, or actually, I, I don't even know when the winter cutoff is. Again, it wasn't, it might not have been like technically winter season, but right. for all intents and purposes, it was definitely fucking winter. So I've done a yeah. little bit, but mostly, I'm mostly uh, a summer. Maybe, maybe I need to go do the rest of these Catskills peaks. That'll give me an excuse to get back into the winter stuff. Well, that's what the Catskills are like. That is definitely a draw to them because, like I said, the mountains aren't extremely high, so you don't feel like you're really exposed. But yeah. the weather is still, you know, it's gonna it's winter weather, but you have to have micro spikes or you know those types of ice. Yeah, yeah. You really need an ice axe, but micro spikes definitely recommended. Um, yeah, and it, it's just a really really nice time of year because there's not a lot of people out. The views are really sick, and just being outside and in that environment is just really, really cool. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, are there, is there anything else about the, uh, cat skills that I might not have thought of to ask about that we should uh, talk about before we kind of move on to the JMT stuff? Um, no, I mean the long path runs through there, oh, which is, true, uh, true. Yeah. That, uh, it starts like by New York city and then runs all the way up to around the Albany area. It's roughly like 357 miles, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But um, that's another scenic trail that if people are out there looking to do some long distance hiking, it's something that's in New York that has a little bit of a draw. Yeah, I, honestly, I, I do a lot of episodes where I'll have people on that have hiked like some of the smaller trails besides just the, the Triple Crown trails pretty much. Um, right. And just kind of basically making an info session and, and just drill them with all these like random questions about the trail. And the long path is on my list of like smaller trails that I'd like to learn a little bit more about because I've seen like a couple of YouTube videos on it. I... I've been aware of it for a while, but I don't, I don't really have the answers to the specific questions. So that'd be that'd be kind of cool to learn about as well. Yeah, there are, like I said, there's there's a bunch of really cool campsites. There's a, a bunch of really nice peaks, uh, really laid back, just kind of atmosphere like that. And that's why I think I enjoy. It. Plus, it's closer to my house. It's only about an hour and a half away from where I live to get to most of the stuff in the uh, in that area. Yeah, so that's another thing that's pretty cool about the Catskills is it is so close to New York City. It's like most of the time. You know, I guess the Whites, I don't know the exact distance from Boston, but I feel like maybe that's a little bit similar. It's almost like the Boston's, like White Mountains, but, you know, it's it's certainly super accessible. And I feel like that's pretty cool for a lot of these people that have maybe, like, lived in New York City for their whole life. You know, especially even the kids, you know, growing up in, you know, the concrete jungle and then, you know, only a couple hours north, you can kind of get up to, into these, like, pretty significant mountains, which I think that's pretty cool as well. Yeah, there's a, but like a, the Hudson Valley in New York is a really, really nice area between, you know, just the Hudson Valley itself. You got the Shawangunk Ridge where there's a bunch of rock climbing stuff going on out there. I don't know if you've ever been down there, but that's just a little bit south of the Catskills. No, I haven't. Really, uh, the only times I've been to that area of New York was when I was in the Catskills and then when I was on my through hike. So, 
Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a like I said, these are little known places around the area that people know to go and check out. But uh, definitely a lot of nice places in uh, in New York State. For sure, for sure. Um, let's talk about the JMT a little bit, shall we? Let's go for it. Let's do it. So, I. I don't know anything about the JMT. Nick, after you finish, I want to have you back on and we're going to do like kind of what I just said a second ago, like a proper like entire episode dedicated to the JMT. And I'm going to learn all these things about it. Um, But I know you haven't hiked it yet. So rather than asking you the specifics about like all the water sources and the campsites and and all this stuff, we're going to kind of stick to some of your like preparation And we're going to talk about the permit system as well. We're a little bit low on time, but we're going to try to get to all this stuff. Um, So, yeah, I guess, first of all, though, let's just briefly, for those of you who might not know, just like what is the JMT, the John Muir Trail? All right. So the John Muir Trail is a hiking trail in the Sierra Nevada mountain range out in California. It starts in Yosemite National Park and then ends at the summit of Mount Whitney, roughly like 211 miles away. Okay. So, um, it's a scenic trail. It's connected. It runs with the Pacific Crest Trail, but it's not, not the whole thing. There's certain sections of it that are the John Muir Trail specifically and the Pacific Crest Trail is off of that. How, I, roughly, can you give me an estimate on like how much is like coinciding with the PCT? I don't know the exact number on again. I guess that's on a, how that that's runs. probably a better yeah. question for after you hike it. But <laughs> yeah, there's well, so Whitney it does the Pacific Crest Trail. The Pacific Crest Trail doesn't go over Mount Whitney. Um, I think it intersects around the area by Red's Meadow, which would be around 130 miles outside of Yosemite. I, I I'm just spitting figures. I have no idea really how many miles okay, coincide yeah. with the Pacific Crest Trail. Um, but. They're all high Sierra routes, so you're getting pretty much the same kind of topography when you're out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, just different, I guess, just a different uh, route to take. Sure, sure. Um, so you're leaving soon. When are you t- – so today, today is July 10th, 2019. This will be out in a week, but um, oh, when are you leaving exactly? It's just a couple weeks, right? Yeah, I leave on the 21st. Nice, nice. So you're almost there. Um, what have you been doing just for like, uh, let's say like logistical preparation besides the permit. We're going to get to that in a second. (laughs) Okay. Um, so tomorrow I have to mail my resupply stuff out. Oh, you have to do boxes. You can't respond. You have to do five or you can do, you have to do a hard sided, uh, five gallon container. What? Yeah. Wait a minute. What? (laughs) Let's start from the beginning. So there's the JMT shaped like a question mark. So you, where I'm starting is at the top part of the question mark. Okay. It wraps up, goes down, and then terminates at the summit of Mount Whitney, which is the southern part of the question mark. Okay. So along that route, you get resupply points along the way. But none of them, it's not like the AT where they're crossing roads and there's a bunch of intersections. It's like, you know, just like a random outpost that uh, some... Ah, okay. I see now. So you can't actually, there's no grocery store there. Right, exactly. Gotcha. So. So I start in Yosemite and I'm making my, I actually start, I don't start in Yosemite Valley. I'm starting at Glacier Point, which is on the outskirts of, it's actually like an hour and something away from Yosemite Valley. But that's my starting trailhead because there's a couple different trailheads that you can start from in there that are related to the permit system. Yeah, yeah. So that's where I start. And then I uh, make my way north going towards Tuolumne Meadows and there's a post office and a, like a cafe and a small grocery store there. Uh, 
but from that point, the trail doesn't intersect with another road pretty much the entire time. And from when I make my way south around four days after that, I'm hitting this one area called Red's Meadow Resort, which you, uh, you pay them a fee, they get your package from Mammoth Lakes, which is the nearest town, and then they bring in your resupply package so that you have it for, uh, for the, on the trail. Mm-hmm. Then you make your way further south, and then Muir Trail Ranch is another resupply point. And then I'm making my way actually out to a town around six days after that, uh, Independence, California. There's a hotel there. It's called the Mount Williamson Motel. And they have a whole hiker service where they pick up your package, they give you a room, they give you a ride to and from the trailhead. <laughs> so I'm meeting a couple friends that are actually doing the trail with me, and they're going to come in that day, and we're going to do Whitney together. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah. Not not as straightforward as the AT for the resupply there, for Right, sure. right, right. So I have 21 days of food sitting downstairs, ready to be oh, boxed up. Oh, what a pain in the ass, damn. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. And and I'm, cra- I'm crazy, too, so I got... <laughs> I got it all labeled, what I'm eating, what day, how many calories, you know, blah, 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 this and that. So, but, so you can, if you're shipping it to like the post office areas, you can ship it in just a regular, uh, priority mailbox. Right. But your trail ranch specifically, because how they store it, they don't want rodents or other animals getting into your package. So they want you to ship it in these five gallon containers from like Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever, one of those stores. Interesting. So that probably knocks up the shipping price a little bit too oh, right? a little bit yeah and then you know <laughs> each one of these places charges a little bit of a fee to do the service for you so that uh jacks it up a little bit more but yeah. it's worth it because you know i'd have to carry 20 days worth of food and i don't want to yeah. do that yeah no way that's so, damn that's yeah. interesting i think my longest stretch is like roughly five days between muir trail ranch and when i go out uh kearsarge pass to independence nice nice okay interesting um Let's talk about this permit. So I I have a friend who I met on the AT who's actually a guest on the show, episode number two, like way, way back. I'm pretty sure we recorded that episode way back in October of 2018. Um, and he had been trying to get a permit for this year. I, I, I don't know much about this, but the tiny little bit I do know is pretty much just from us like t- uh, texting each other back and forth about it a little bit. Right. And I know that he was here he he didn't get it basically so why don't you just talk a little bit about you know how this permit system works and you know okay. what are the actual chances of somebody being able to get a permit because i hear some crazy fucking stories about this right all right so let's so this is my fifth year trying to get on the trail wow and looking back now that i know how the whole process works there are ways that i could have gotten it a little bit easier but just doing random research on the web, trying to say, oh, the John Muir Trail, here's how you apply, blah, blah, blah. It's taken me five years. I wanted to do it as a purist. I wanted to start in Yosemite. Hopefully, Happy Isles is the actual trailhead that the trail starts at. But there's five trailheads that you can leave from in Yosemite National Park if you want to start the trail. Okay. So there's two that leave from Happy Isles. There's one from Glacier Point. There's one from Sunrise Lakes and another one from uh, Tuolumne Meadows Lyle Canyon area. Now, when you apply with the permit, you put those in order of a, order of importance on which one you want to start out the most to the one that you want to start out the least. And then, on depending on availability, they send they have a lottery process that they draw a lottery uh, they draw numbers from or your permits from six months out. So back in February, if you want to hike in July, you put your permit in in February. Okay. 
Wow. Trailheads, <laughs> which one, the trailhead you want to do, how many people are in your group, if you want to hike half dome, like there's a whole bunch of information that they want to have on the permit. Yeah. So that's, that's why I said for, so like the last five years, I had all my trailheads listed. I had how many people are in my group and I, there's only a certain amount of time that you can do it because we could talk about that too. The amount of snow that they got this year is ridiculous. They got like 200% of what their average is oh, out there. Oh, wow. It just got, it keeps dumping. And that's something that I've been tracking for the last couple months because I'm waiting for the melt to really start kicking in. Cause right now it looks like I'm going to be traversing over, I think it's 80 plus miles. The last time I saw, uh, is snow covered still. Oh, damn. Even, even in the middle of July, that's crazy. It's crazy. Everything like 10,000 feet. There are a bunch of PCT hikers are bypassing the I've, Sierra. I was going to say, I've been hearing about the PCT hikers getting kind of screwed a little bit. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it's looking at the time that I go, that melt's going to happen. I'll probably have to deal with a little bit of snow going over the mountain passes, but most of the terrain should be clear of snow. Um, so yeah, we got off on a little bit of tangent there, but so basically, like I said, the, um, I've been putting in the Yosemite permits because I want to leave from Yosemite National Park. And luckily this year, back in February, I was checking my email and I got the, uh, I got the email saying your permit's been accepted. <laughs> Finally, five years later, you're leaving on this date. So one of the other things though, I, uh, you could put how many people you want in your group. So I put five people for a maximum. <clears throat> and if there's no, if there's any spots available, one person has a minimum. And there was only one spot left. So I got the one person going solo. Yep. So that's why. I, so I'm leaving by myself. But when I mentioned to the other people that I hike with, they're like, well, you're not, we want to go out and do it too. <laughs> Sorry, guys. So <laughs> that's how I started to get led into this whole, well, how do you get permits? If you, if you want to hike the John Muir Trail, what are some other options that you can get permits for? Mm -hmm. So once you cross over the Yosemite, uh, Indio National Forest border, it's no longer subject to the lottery process. They have trailhead quotas to get into the area to go over Mount Whitney because that's where you have to terminate on your terminating trailhead. Okay. But if there's trailhead, if there's a, is there, if there's an available spot on the trailhead that you want to leave from, you can still come on and hike the trail. You won't be able to hit the whole trail, but you'll be able to see a little bit uh, and experience it. So that's what my friends are doing. They, I come out on my seventh day, they're going to meet me uh, by this one area called Thousand Island Lakes, which if you, if you ever get the chance, just look up some pictures of this place. It's, it's phenomenal. So they're meeting me out. They're going to do four days with me. And then another one of my friends is meeting me a couple days later. He's going to do the last two weeks with me. Damn. Um, yeah. And then, like I said, those two guys that are coming out to meet us in Independence, they're going to, there's going to be four of us going to tackle Whitney together. Nice. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. It's really, the, for the, for the guys, like I said, my job is just phenomenal that these dudes want to come all the way out west and, uh, tackle this thing with me. It's really, really, not, really, really cool. Yeah. That's, that sounds awesome. Um, yeah. do you know how many, roughly, how many people get permits every year? Like how competitive is it? I mean, it's going to be pretty bad. It's if really it took competitive five years. because I, I think I read that like you know thousands of people apply and they can only send out forty five a day over Donahue Pass, which is the border between Yosemite National Park and the Inyo National Forest. Okay. So that's where this quota system comes in, where you can they have trailhead availability, but forty five people a day get to cross over that border. And that's not just JMT hikers either. That's yeah. That's anyone, I guess. However, the uh, that the, the however Why they is meet that? that Why do they have to cap it? I I don't know. I guess they just don't want the impact on yeah, on those areas because be. it's it's not just JMT, PCT, Yosemite Park height. It's just everyone in that area that wants to go out and and see these these places. Interesting. So I guess the, I don't know why the number forty five or how they ended up 
uh, making that determination. <laughs> yeah. but if anybody knows, I guess they yeah. let me know. <laughs> yeah, I guess they, they thought it was a good number. Interesting, interesting. Okay, so um, you're about to leave. What are you just like most excited for? I think just the the ruggedness because I've I, I've done most of my hiking in the Northeast, and this is all we know. You know, the rolling hills mm-hmm. and you know, for me, beautiful like landscape and views and stuff. But out there, it's like a uh, it's going to be like an alien landscape to me. And I just yeah. when I see pictures of it, I just can't I can't wrap my head around. I went to Zion last year and did some hiking out there, and even that it was it was like I felt like I was on another planet. Just the the difference in terrain and the everything about it was just it was amazing so this has a lot of that um and i think that just like a person so i'm married i have three kids and i think just the fact that i can't commit to a like a long the one like you said before one of the triple crowns this is kind of like gives me a little bit of a taste what that life is like oh for sure yeah but, I, you know, it's three weeks, which is still a, a long time to be away from my family. But it's enough that I think I can get a little bit of a, of that taste of what that kind of oh, uh, sure. life is like. For sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's awesome. I, I can't wait to hear about your hike. And like I said a few minutes ago, I'm going to have to have you back on. And we're going to do a whole episode just on the JMT after you get back. I'm looking forward to that. You haven't even said whether or not brother. you will. Well, actually, now you have. But, yeah, I'm, I'm signing you up, just so you know. Um, shit. Yeah. Uh, that's... That's pretty crazy. I can't see in here. Here I am like complaining about having to carry a goddamn bear canister. Well, that was, <laughs> believe me, I've been, my gear selections and things that I've looked at buying is it's all related around that stupid bear canister. Yeah. Because your pack size is more, your pack weight is more, like everything is just drastically different than what I'm used to because you have to try and accommodate this stupid cylinder. Yeah, pretty much. I would have to, honestly, I would have to get a whole new pack if I was going to, honestly, like in order to I fit did. that. <laughs> yeah well, there you go yep. <laughs> damn um so we're at about an hour now nick we still got we still got time for a story it's called trail tales after all i gotta say people i once again forgot to remind my guest about this beforehand but thankfully hikers usually are able to kind of pull some stuff out of their ass when put on the spot here when it comes to stories definitely so nick Let's pick, you know, whatever that go-to story is. Say you're sitting around a campfire and someone asks you what that best hiking story you have is. Let's hear it. Oh, I wish I had some more good ones. But this one, when I think about it, it still gives me like a little bit of the Jeepers Creepers because I was uh, I was hiking in the Catskills. I was on a solo trip. So, you know, anytime that you're alone, you kind of like every little bump and you know <laughs> anything you hear just kind of sends you like a little bit crazy. Oh, but yeah. I was sleeping in my hammock, like I said before, I hammock camp, and I was out cold, and I got woken up. I can't like it, like I. It was like in my head. There was something like literally. <laughs> t- it was something was basically like run, running into me, not running into me, but like it was right next to me. Yeah, yeah. Like so I got woken you. up out of his sleep. I just screamed as loud as I could. I felt something scurry away from me. I got out. I threw my headlamp on, and I was looking around. And sure enough, around 20 feet away, staring right back at me, were just these two little beady eyes focused right on me. <laughs> so now I'm doing the whole, get out of here. Because I couldn't tell whether it was a bear, whether it was a, a cat. It was something. But So now as I started to go right and left, it was tracking me. It was like literally, like I just saw its beady eyes just staring right at me. And this probably let what felt like forever, but it was probably only like a couple of minutes. Yeah, yeah. Finally ended up scurrying off and like, you know, I had to clean out my underwear and everything like that. But 
it's just so funny how the mind plays tricks on you after that because my heart's pounding. Needless to say, I didn't fall back asleep for a little bit after that. I was going to say, yeah, good luck going back to sleep after that. But I think this adds to the level of paranoia that I was feeling. I was looking in the... T- I could see the outline of the mountain, like the top of the range, and the stars were shining through that area. Yeah. And I literally thought that it was like people with headlamps that were coming out in like the middle of the night like trying to like attack me i'm like i don't have any i don't have a night i don't have anything on me because i was so paranoid about being outside now that all the flickering starlights coming through the trees i thought they were headlamps trying to trying to attack me so just freaking out yeah was that was that one of your earlier hikes or is that more recently that that was a couple years ago that was uh i've done a like that was probably one of my earlier solo hikes yeah but um like it was just it was just a perfect uh (laughs) the perfect recipe for a little bit of a creepy introduction. And then I had to, uh, you know, just trying to get back to sleep, but I woke up the next morning and finishing and got out. So I'm here to still tell the tale. Always. You always make it out. Obviously. Yep. Yeah. I don't, I don't care what people say like solo camping is definitely a little bit sketchy. Sometimes I, it does, it does get less sketchy with like just the more you do it, I guess. But, um, first couple times I did it, I was definitely a little bit, a little bit, not even paranoid, but just a little bit, you know, a little, a little on edge for sure. It takes a yeah. little extra time to fall asleep, so I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that as well. Yeah, or I'm just a, a baby, <laughs> so it's a little bit of both, probably. <laughs> no, you're gonna go crush the JMT. It's gonna be good. Um, Nick, that was that was awesome, dude. Once again, thank you for bearing with me with the scheduling. I told you we were gonna get to it. I'm so glad we did, and we're gonna do another one too. I will not cancel on that one. I promise. Um. Yeah, so I know you you mentioned your YouTube channel again. Why don't you give that a plug one more time and plug any other places that people can go and find you on social media? All right, yeah. So I have a YouTube channel. It's Triple Nickel Outdoors. Um, I have an Instagram page at the same name, Triple Nickel Outdoors. I'm going to be filming my JMT hike and a couple of uh, videos beforehand showing like my resupply, my gear and stuff like that. So if people want to check that out, it's available. Yeah, definitely. I'm not going to upload the JMT hike until I come back because service is spotty out there. So I want to wait until I get all my footage and come back and try and edit it. Um, but if I do get service periodically, I'll post some stuff on Instagram and uh, let people check it out. Check out the area. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Nick. Thank you to everybody listening. I know I said this in the introduction, but uh, everybody, please go check out my 46 Climbs fundraiser page. Um Great, great cause. That'd be awesome. Uh, Yeah, thank, thank you everybody for listening and have a good one.